The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for the Plank Show. Let's go to work, brother! It's time for the Plank Show with Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. You can call the show on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's time for the Plank Show with Josh Helmer and Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. You texted me and reminded me yesterday... TJ had reminded me as well, too, and I completely forgot until I just saw your handsome face. What's up, Parker Thune? Man, I tell you, I almost left you hanging today. Oh, did you? I, I waltzed into the studio about a minute and a half before showtime. And the reason being is, let me tell you, Plank, during football season, when I am traveling so much right. and sleeping so little. Correct. If ever I forget to set an alarm, I'm out for who knows how long. Gotcha. And you already know where this is going, right? No, no, I but think I, I'm following. Yes. So I forgot to set an alarm last night. Really? I forgot. No, you know what? I don't know if it just didn't go off for whatever reason or I just rolled over and hit snooze and forgot. Hit snooze and forgot because I did set an alarm for this morning, slept right on through it, woke up at like 8.20. And I live in Moore. Oh, so at shoot. that point, okay, I'm yeah. like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I way overslept. And what was funny was in the last few moments of my peaceful night of sleep, I had had a dream that I was way late for this show. Because usually I don't have to get here this morning. No. Or this early in the morning. Yeah, plenty of time. You have until noon. So I had this dream that I was way late. In showing up to the studio to do the show. Uh, and they had to cover for, for me for like an hour and I, that I had showed up and everybody was at the office. Which you know around here, unless we're having a party, right. nobody's ever at the office. It's not like the entire crew is at the office all Exactly. It's well, always the entire staggered. crew was at the office. They're all livid with me. Except Teddy. Teddy's just like, eh, whatever. As far as everybody is livid. So I woke up and I'm like, oh boy, I'm about to make this dream come to life. It's... One of those feelings, too, when that dream is so real because you kind of have like that little rim sleep where it's it's so real that you wake up and there's like a 10-second moment of inventory where you're like, what? did that happen? Well, I'm glad you're here, man. We got a lot to get to. Toby and TJ decided to pull the pin on some Jeff Lebby talk over the last hour. I heard that. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't... Have you pulled the pin on some? Jeff well, Levitt I mean, talk? that's basically been the three days of this show, the two okay. days of this show. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> leading that's up untapped to untapped territory, I but, commend you. But yeah, it's it's interesting to me because I mean, everyone, I am very open about it. I'm an unabashed Jeff Levy defender. I think he's a rock star. But in that same vein, no one is beyond reproach. No, I mean nobody is. We're spending the first seven to eight weeks of the NFL season mocking a man who has like eight Super Bowl rings in Bill Belichick. It's like, gosh, look at how terrible he is. So nobody, absolutely nobody, is beyond reproach. But my point, and my point is still, and this I, I hate to carry over a text from the show before because I think this is a fair point. I think this is a fair point. 
Somebody, somebody said just moments ago, to me, that's like Brent's version of wear clothes. In other words, whenever they tell you that a play would work because of the amount of space that was in front of a running back, that's Brent Venable's version of wear clothes. And that's fine. I think you're all still hurt by, by Lincoln as part of this, too. I yeah, think that no still doubt. stings. But to that point, as a coach, what else can you do right. but scheme up a play that gives your player endless amounts of space? It's ultimately out of your hands whether he finds that space or not. Mm. Mm. I don't know. We, we can we can do this today if you guys want. But for the most part, I feel like there's a lot of fun things to get into. I mean, Bedlam is Saturday. Are we going to spend the next – three shows and we have lamenting Kansas or getting ready to find out what we've got and what sucks Parker Josh and I joked about this last week so many of the things that you want to see fixed or things that as a fan you want to see better all you can really say is well we'll find out Saturday right I mean there's you can you can have your anger, and that's fine. We like to call Wednesdays Wipe It Wednesday, where you wipe clean of what happened the week before, and that's fine. That's understandable. That's what we do. But to me, I still think that there is so much frustration over the way that that went down last week, Parker, that no one has really allowed themselves <laughs> to move on to Bedlam yet. And and then when they move on to Bedlam, it's, well, we're, we just lost to Kansas, and they beat Kansas, so I guess we're going to lose to Oklahoma State in the last Bedlam, too. It's crazy. And it's the last Bedlam, too. It's the very last iteration for who knows how long of this series, which is, granted, about the most lopsided rivalry series in college football. Correct. But even so... It's still a game that means something, means quite a bit to most folks in this state. And you're right, it's Wednesday, and we're still talking more about Kansas yeah. than we are about Oklahoma State. Yeah. Which, I guess, you know, first loss of the year, this is kind of, well, this isn't the new normal, but it's almost a hearkening back to what life used to be like under Lincoln Riley, because inevitably you would have that one inexplicable regular season loss at some point. And everybody would be so blindsided by it that it was the only thing you could talk about right. for weeks, even months, years. People still talk about 2019 at Kansas State or 2017 against Iowa State. Oh yeah, right. You don't just you don't just forget what happened on those days. Those ones live in your memory. They're seared into your psyche just a little bit longer. I think I think Coach Stoops kind of joked about it. Or hasn't really joked about it. Teddy's just flat out said it. You still lament the losses a lot of times more than you celebrate the wins. And I think every single one of us, if you were to say, hey, what's your most memorable win for the Oklahoma Sooners over the last decade? People like, oh, let me think about that for a second. Uh, if you were asking what's the most frustrating loss, you'd be like, 2019 K-State K or uh-huh. 2018 Texas. 2017 Iowa State, 2021 Baylor, 2022 all of it, 23 Lawrence. You know, it's like all of the law. Well, because, and there are so few of them, right? And I, I'll make a comparison here. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to what you have come to expect, the expectations that you have built up for your program. Because my mom is an amazing cook, 
Growing up, she would cook us three fresh meals every single day, and they were awesome. <laughs> Barely ever missed. When I was maybe 11 or 12, she cooked one meal that was just disgusting. I don't know if it was a recipe that she kind of invented or somebody that just or, – or something that none of us happened to like. But we still talk about it to this day because it was so out of character. Right. Right? And it was just so out of the ordinary. You didn't expect it. And then, boom, you're repulsed by it. And that's kind of how it feels when you lose games like this. Because I, I can't tell you how many OU fans I've seen playing talk about how – Man, this is just OU's thing. They lose one of these games every year. 95% of the college football programs in the country lose a game like this every year, right? Your plight is not unique. Nick Saban has gone undefeated over the course of a season twice at Alabama in what has been the most dynastic run of the modern college football era. Winning every single game is a really hard thing to do. And when you're favored in every single game that you play or the vast majority of the games that you play – you're going to get upset every mm -hmm. now and again. This is college football. This is what we have come to expect any given Saturday, right? Well, sometimes you're on the short end of the stick when it comes to any given Saturday. And it was – okay, so here's, I think, where a lot of people are fighting amongst themselves. This just my – if you just push aside frustration with game plan or missed tackles, if you just focus on the bigger picture – Here's the question I have for today. Today. Is this an out-of-character performance and an anomaly of a team that just needed to be reminded of, bro, it's every little detail, right? That they were incredible at through the first seven games and then, boom, boom, have a couple tough performances. Is it out of character? Or is this a little bit more of who they are? That's that's the question that I I'm posing here, and and maybe does the answer lies somewhere in between. And maybe the answer's in between, Parker. I think that might be it. Because here's the deal, Chris. I think this is still a really talented football team, a college football playoff contender, and certainly a program that I believe will have a very good shot at winning the Big Twelve, and that will play in Arlington at this point. But you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was doing kind of a brain, brainstorm session for some national content with right. the folks at Rivals yesterday. And I was asked straight up by one of them, hey, I, you're an Oklahoma guy. Do you uh, you think Oklahoma is still a college football playoff contender? And I said, okay, you have to make the distinction between playoff contender and title contender. Because title contender, no, I don't think that's Oklahoma here in 2023. Playoff contender, absolutely. The path is right there in front of them. So, again – I think the answer lies somewhere in between. The loss to Kansas kind of reinforces that this team hasn't hit its ceiling, and that probably isn't going to happen this year because you do need some additional reinforcements via recruiting and via the transfer portal. You're not the team that you will be next year or two or five right. years down the road. But also, it was uncharacteristic. It was completely unlike the team that we had seen over the first half of the season and I, I so I think to some extent yes they're going to be able to flush this they're going to be able to move along and prove that this was a blip and not a trend but also some of the things that we saw on Saturday lend credence to the notion that things aren't as rosy as maybe some folks had it made out to be after Texas agreed agreed so 
there's the debate for today. Now, I've got to I've got to say one wild thing that I'm sure you've been asked about a thousand times, and I know that you guys have talked about on uh, Locked In. I did find it incredibly, almost ironic that in the middle. <laughs> Of a football game that you're losing to Kansas, you pick up a massive commitment, right? I feel so bad for the kid, man. I feel so bad for Reggie Powers because he's an outstanding football player. He should have his moment to be recognized by the fan base for OU fans to get excited about what they're getting in the blue chip defensive back out of Centerville, Ohio. And it was just completely lost in the chaos of what happened Saturday because it dropped in the fourth quarter. It was that so when it, it happened. It dropped in the midst oh, of Oklahoma engaging in this back-and-forth struggle with Kansas that ultimately culminated in the loss. And, you know, it's funny, Plank. Typically, I'll get on the message boards at OUinsider.com after a commitment, and it's all anybody's talking about, right? They're fired up yep. about it. They're stoked. I try to bring up Reggie Powers, and like they're like, we, we, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> We just lost to Kansas. <laughs> Who cares? It's a fair way to think. But you're right. It's unfortunate for for Reggie because you get this commit and it's in the middle of an absolute nightmare for Sooner fans. Okay. When we come back, I like the distinction you made. Is OU a playoff contender? You bet. Championship contender? Up for debate. Uh, I tend to think no, too. But the playoff committee did unveil its first rankings last night. And as expected, they had Texas ahead of Oklahoma. I have no problem with it. We'll talk about it next. At 10 a.m. this morning, we start an hour recap. An hour recap of the Brent Venables press conference from yesterday. You were there. Anything? Well, when we come back, let's see if there was anything that caught your ear. Parker Thune is in for Josh Helmer. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet in Blanchard, USA. All right, we have two goals to this segment. Get into a little bit of the playoff rankings from last night. And get some of Parker's reactions to the BV press conference. Uh, we're off to a confrontational start on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, but we're cool with it. We're cool with it. That's how it is these days when you try to talk it. about Jeff Levy, right? Well, I mean, like for instance, my man B.A. Fatboy, just real quick. He says, all right, Chris, for somebody who respects Teddy's opinion so much, I'm going to go with him and Gabe, uh, who both said the play calling was horrendous. I don't I don't <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing that point, are we? I, I don't yeah, I don't think we're sitting there saying that there's questions about the play calling, but I also don't think horrendous was was used. If it was, but if you again, again. Brent Venables was even like, hey, you know, we got to be better, a little bit better here. Want to run the ball, use some clock, be a fat boy out of it. The play calling was not an anomaly either. SMU, Cincinnati, UCF, KU, all those games had horrendous play calling. It's funny. Um, we don't seem to be this outraged, Parker, about some of the defensive calls that even Brent Venables has said, I screwed up. I mean, do you guys need Levy to come out and say, I screwed up? I mean, that. Would that a, make you a, feel better? Yes, I think people do want that because <laughs> with as many times as Venables has owned stuff since sure. Saturday, 
all, all Lebby really said in reference to that final drive was, and it kind of felt like he was talking out of both sides of his mouth, where he's like, eh, we were trying like heck to get a first down, and we were content putting it away. And so that's why I ran it on third down. Okay, were you really trying to get a first down if you were just running with an effort to pin him deep on third down? Right. I, I, I think some – I think Lebby taking responsibility more so than he did for what happened Saturday would have gone a long way with most folks. But I also think – and I, I've tried to express this time and again in a – manner that people understand what I'm getting at and don't spin it into their own narrative. Right. But I think both things can be true. Can you hold Jeff Levy accountable for some very questionable decisions Saturday? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you also acknowledge that Jeff Levy is generally very good at his job? No! upper echelon offensive coordinator in college football and that 33 points – Generally ought to win you a football game, especially against a team like Kansas who's playing with a backup quarterback. And it's the most points that Kansas has ever scored against Oklahoma in Lawrence. Really? I did not know that, yeah. Uh, I was about to say, yeah, in Lawrence. In Lawrence, because they, they had 40 in <laughs> – 40 last year. <laughs> they had 40 in 2018. <laughs> yeah, I did. 40 oh, in 2018. Oh, last year. And 42 shoot, last yeah. year. Yeah. I don't – I mean, listen, we're going to we're gonna read your text after the bottom of the hour, but it's just – it's a wiping Wednesday, man. We're spinning our wheels. We really are. Um, so what was your big takeaway from you? You know, actually, it might even be okay. Let me at least get a – let me get a jump start here on what Coach uh, Venables had to say. Here was his opening statement from yesterday's press conference with the media. Uh, and, I, again, he's got to the point where his opening statements pretty much answer about everything. So here we go. Let's see. Do you have that in there? Or do – is it not working? There's a chance this uh, is there. Really exciting week uh, for everybody on both teams, and got a great challenge in uh, facing Oklahoma State. Um, they lead the uh, conference in uh, Big 12 play and in total offense and in scoring offense, playing really, really well, very efficient. Uh, have made lots of improvement, found their way. They've got the back that leads the country in rushing, and uh, Bowman's. I think five or six straight games they're throwing them for over 200 yards uh, they're doing a great job on defense playing really well here the last uh, several games as well uh number uh, four number 30 on defense uh really disruptive players uh, martin and uh oliver excellent players uh coach gundy obviously has had uh, got a lot of respect for uh for mike and what he's been able to accomplish the program he's built in a a profession that's hard to have sustainability and longevity and consistency. He's represented all of those things and uh, is the second uh, best winning percentage in, in our conference the last 20 years. So uh, no surprise that, that uh, uh, several weeks ago people uh, had written uh, Oklahoma State off after uh, losing to South Alabama, a really good South Alabama team. And they've just gotten better. They've responded. So uh, that's what you want to be about uh, when facing adversity or you're, you're building your team on the season. That's what you want it to look like. And they've really gutted out and toughed out um, several uh, really good wins. Kansas State, uh, Kansas, West Virginia uh, really got after uh, Cincinnati. And uh, they've done it uh, by punishing people in the run game. Again, uh, uh 
Ollie Gordon has just been fantastic. He's got power. He's got speed. Uh, he's patient. He's got great quickness, lateral quickness, and man, he's explosive. He uh, can run right through you and he can run uh, right by you, averaging I think eight yards a carry in uh, in conference play. So great challenge for our guys. I know our guys are really really excited about uh, about you know this game this week. And again, as uh, I said after um, after our game, you know we've uh, we have. You know we're tied uh, in first in conference play, and uh, we've got you know zero margin for error. So uh, all hands on deck, and uh, we're hoping that we got a few guys banged up. We'll see if whether or not we get them. Uh, but I do feel really good about uh, guys that uh, will play uh, uh, if they don't. So there's a little bit of a hint, maybe, on the injury side of things. But there's the opening statement. We'll get in the weeds with it coming up at 10 a.m. and some of the uh, in-depth conversations. I know that we tried to get a little nostalgic, and Britton Venables went for a bit on Bedlam moments. I think he took us back 20 years ago today, the 52-9 to win. I watched that whole game from the, third, from the highest level, from the – I say the third deck, but it's like the eighth, seventh level. And I actually sat next to John Holcomb, and we had to yell at each other to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, no, I that was the craziest, loudest stadium I've ever seen in my life. 20 years ago today, whenever Les Miles brought that team in that had beaten OU in back-to-back years, and then the Sooners just absolutely destroyed them. But no time for nostalgia, right? You got a game you got to win this weekend. So what were Parker Thune's anything that caught your ear or big takeaways? So a couple things. One being, obviously, you knew Venables was going to be asked again about Lebby and the play calling Saturday. Sure. And he gave what I thought was a very thought-out, rational, two-and-a-half-minute answer. Uh, it's just basically like, look, I, I don't have to counsel Jeff Lebby about the criticism. He's a grown man. He can handle it. And it's one of the things that comes with the territory at Oklahoma. But as far as looking ahead to Oklahoma State, Plank, which I get is what we're trying to do on this Wednesday – uh, you've come to understand in being around Brent Venables when he's just saying nice things about a guy because he has to say nice things about a guy. Right. And when he's really, truly, legitimately impressed with a player, uh, he's really, truly, legitimately impressed with Ollie Gordon and understands that it's going to be a monumental challenge to contain him Saturday in Stillwater. And how, how can you not be impressed with Ollie Gordon right now, Plank? He's arguably the most impactful player in the country over the last five, six weeks. Not only not only has he changed the future for himself, but he's changed the whole trajectory for a team that, y'all, there was a chance after that Iowa State game with Kansas State, who was playing really well coming in on that Friday, there was a chance that we, we were watching the end of the Gundy, Gundy era. And Ali Gore not only changed, you know, individual awards, futures, Big 12 Player of the Year kind of conversations, but Parker, the whole trajectory of Oklahoma State football changed whenever they committed to him. I keep forgetting the kid that's a Michigan State transfer, and then they had the, the Nixon. Yeah, Nixon. Yeah, and then they had the third tailback. Uh, he's just, he's taken off. I've never seen anything like it, not just for an individual, but for a team to be unmute. Now, Oklahoma in 2017, that. Hold on, I got to go backwards. 19 was Hurts. 
2018 was Kyler. Okay. In 2017, the year we lost to Iowa State, but beat Ohio State. Yes. That was that season where Marquise Brown didn't play a lot in the first couple of games, and neither did Rodney Anderson, and they came on. But the team was already pretty good, right? And they just added to it. I mean, this was a team that was done. D-U-N, D-O-N-E, however you want to spell it, done. It looked lifeless. Done. And brought him, and everyone's like, yeah, they decided on one quarterback. I'm like, if they didn't have Ali Gordon, if he hadn't had emerged, Alan Bowman's probably hurt right now because he's having to throw too much behind that offensive line. So and that was, I'm in and, awe. And that was one thing that Venables brought up, too, is not only has Ali Gordon been dominant in the run game, He's also been excellent in pass protection yeah. and has made those quarterbacks' lives easier. Well, made that quarterback's life easier because they have gotten to the point where Alan Bowman is the guy, at least for the moment. But once again, Plank, the quarterback issues that Oklahoma State had were exacerbated throughout the first few games by two things. One, the fact that Gundy relentlessly rotated them. And two, the fact that there just wasn't a functional running game at that point. And guess what? You get a tailback that's arguably the best in the nation at his position, and I would say to me right now is undoubtedly the best in the nation at his position. Mm -hmm. You unlock his potential. Life's going to get a whole lot easier in the passing game. And it has for Alan Bowman. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, anything else before we grab a timeout? Anything else that kind of – we don't really – we didn't get a true update on Stutzman or no, Tommy. No, and that was kind of the big thing was <laughs> – Yeah. We, we went into that press conference knowing, okay, well, maybe, maybe there's not going to be a definitive answer from Venables, but at least we'll get some sort of a better idea as to whether Stutzman's going to be able to play. And Brent essentially, in so many words, just called him – a late week decision, a game time decision, basically said we're not going to know until probably pretty close to the game. Mm. So, I would have needless to say, that is one guy that you would love to have suited up against Dolly oh. Gordon. Oh, absolutely. Even more so than usual. Like, you want Danny Stutzman active this week. And I think both. Now, depending on how bad it is for Tawi, I'm pretty sure Danny Stutzman is going to be suited up, at least to try to give the. At least to be in it and be a part of it. But here's – in all the time that we've spent, Parker, talking about the frustrations of the offense, seven defensively has got to be infinitely better or he's going to find himself off the field Saturday night. They need him, even if Danny's in there, to be good. And he wasn't good on Saturday. No, he was not. I'll just leave no, it No, he that. was not. And that was a guy that many, including myself – clamored for more of a season ago right because the Sooners were bad and they were unathletic at linebacker well I think what Saturday goes to show you is you can have a really athletic dude at linebacker but if he's not playing with instinct and if he is a little bit sketchy as a tackler he missed a lot of tackles Saturday yeah you can you can have a real athletic dude at linebacker but if he is not sound in the way that he goes about playing that position, in the end, you get the exact same result. Yeah, and he's got to be better for him. If not, we'll see more of, what, McKenzie and, and others like we did on Kip Saturday. Lewis has been pretty and good. Kip, you know, Kip Lewis has been impressive. I, I, I got to get with Ted to truly understand the intricacies because Kip comes in for Danny and then, what, uh, Canick slides over to the, the other backer spot. 
And Kip Lewis looks like he's infinitely more adept at doing everything at that position than <laughs> anyone who I've seen in a while that hasn't played a ton. So is it that difficult to just have Lewis and McKenzie out there? I I almost wonder if – Canick's got to be better, I think is the bottom line, even if Stutzman can go, which I, I'm i getting a little bit worried by the way people are talking right now. Okay, quick break to the text line next on The Ref. The word is spreading, and the Ref Army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. You know, fair question of uh, from Santa John right off the top of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Parker, why the morning shift? Tell the people what your plans are today. Oh, that's right. I guess I didn't. I didn't inform we people. Just, you came in hot. Yesterday. It's I, like I we normally hang out. <laughs> yeah. Now, I uh, so the great Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, has invited me to speak with his play-by-play class at the University of Oklahoma, Gaylord Hall, my old stomping grounds, mm. this afternoon. So his class meets at 1.30. I hit up Josh Helmer last week. I was like, hey, Toby wants me to come – Speak to his class. You think maybe we could just switch shifts next Wednesday so I could accommodate both things? And he said, sure. So that's what we're doing. And always love hanging out with you, Chris Plank. I appreciate it. Yeah. I feel like I learn a lot about what's going on in the Cruton world. And then you – i I've said this to you many times. You've got this incredible memory of things that at Steely and my age, we forget. So you help to, to fill in the – the blanks, but yeah, thanks to the, thanks to Santa John and Dink in Florida. That's an incredibly well thought out, heartfelt tweet, text, whatever. And we're grateful for you. We're praying for your family too, man. I hope everything works out. Not an easy time. All right, now let me get to a couple of these. Sooner CB, I love you. I love your contribution to the shows. But two point, a double prong here that I could not disagree with more. Oh, here we go. He writes, 33 points are not only throwing 19 times, regardless of the weather, is ridiculous. And Levy's play calling has no consistency against a very questionable Kansas defense. And the Stutzman injury is mind-boggling. He got stepped on by a teammate and didn't return really odd and made me question his physical toughness. (laughs) Oh, no. CB, let me tell you something, man. First of all, your first part, that's fine. I mean, the the 19 passes still is one of those that kind of boggles all of our mind right now. But as somebody who was front and center watching every move, if Danny Stutzman was feigning or wasn't tough enough, then he is the greatest actor I've ever seen in my life. That dude was in pain trying everything to get back out Lest there. we forget... Come on, CB. When that man was 18 years old playing the second game of his life at the collegiate level, he dislocated his elbow on the football field, and they literally had to make him come off. He wanted to go back in the game. He tried to, and they're like, no, you're done. You're out. And in this instance, he wasn't just – so – when he went down, he popped back up, and I thought, you know, he's been down before. He popped back up, and I thought, oh, look, he's okay. And then as soon as he took one step, it, we were all, if you listen to the network, we're all, oh, no. And when he came over there, it got 
his foot got caught or something weird happened, according to Gabe. Now, I haven't gone back and Zapruder filmed it yet, but it, trust me when I tell you, the man's hurt. I think of all the things that you can question about this team, I would say that's probably well down the line. <laughs> Toughness and not wanting to be in games. Uh, here's one that just came in. Uh, this is a good wipe and Wednesday kind of a tweet. <laughs> Our tax got to keep saying tweets. First today. time texture, too. First time from the 405. Hey, couch coach Jeff Lebby haters, while you all are patiently waiting for all those offensive coordinator job offers to start rolling in, maybe you should stay in your own lane. Can we focus our energy on beating OSU for the last time in the Big 12? Boomer. That's going to make a lot of people mad. But couch coach Jeff Lebby haters. I've heard the Tom, I, I've heard the term. Couch coach a lot more this year than I think I ever. I don't know if I've heard that very much. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I had, but I like it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> couch coach, it fits. Um, the guy questioning Stutzman toughness isn't bleeping moron. I, you can't type that in there, Frisco sooner because I am like Ron Burgundy. So I really, just say oh it. no. Uh, here's a couple more. This is from the four. If you see one, oh. Do you know much about Ali? Softball Steve asks a um, – Yeah. Uh, it's not softball Steve. I'm sorry. But a uh, guy from Parts Unknown writes, I could look this up, but when we have Parker, Ali, what's his story? Where is he from? Why had none of us heard about him until four weeks ago? Yeah, so this is a kid that I watched for the first time as a junior in high school. And it was very obvious – at that point in time, okay, this dude is all that. He played at Euless Trinity, so he's a DFW area guy. And was, I thought, one of the more impressive running back prospects in the 2022 cycle. Now, keep in mind, that is the same cycle that Oklahoma landed Gavin Sawchuck in, what was that, June, July and then for quite some time, they were the front runners to land the guy that I believed at that time was the best overall running back in that class, Javante Barnes. He didn't end up committing until the All-American game in January of 2022. But ever since July or so, Oklahoma was the pretty obvious front runner. So DeMarco Murray had two running backs at that time. He had his clutches on two backs that were widely considered to be Top 10, if not top 5, at the position. That's why Oklahoma never really pursued Ollie Gordon. I will say, and I don't know all the intricacies excuse me, of how Oklahoma State went about the process of recruiting Ollie Gordon, mm -hmm. but when you look at the schools that they beat out for this kid, it is impressive because this is not some scrub three-star dude. This is a guy that was a blue-chip prospect and had offers across the country – from some big-time Power 5 programs. He had Arkansas. He had Nebraska. He had Michigan. He had Texas. He had TCU. He had BYU. Oh, wow. Among others. So he had I, he, he didn't have every offer that there was, but he had his choice of some pretty big-time programs, and he chose Oklahoma State. I didn't know much about him until, to be honest with you, the, the Iowa State game. I hadn't heard hardly anything about – and I was intrigued because I was led to believe that Iowa State-Oklahoma State game was going to be played in a torrential downpour and <laughs> there was going to be field issues that the teams had beat the over by half and he went for 121 yards that day. looked pretty good. Yeah. I and, mean, again, 
if you had seen this dude in high school, would have known. You you wouldn't have known he'd be the best running back in college football, but you'd have gone, okay, like that's an FBS Power Five thousand yard dude one day, easily, because he was dominant. He was dominant, and it's tough to be dominant in DFW at that level. You got to be a special player. He was a special player. Uh, anybody that figured he would be what he is today, I'm sorry, I, you're lying. If you thought Ollie Gordon was going to be the type of player that he has been for Oklahoma State over the last five weeks. But you got the strong impression watching him in high school that, okay, this dude is going to be pretty special at the next level and is going to have a long-term potential to be an NFL football player. Yeah, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. Uh, and then the 706, the 706 writes, it's insane in 2023 to leave a one-point game up to any defense with over two minutes, even if the offense has no timeouts. You go for the jugular and end the game. This is at 1950. Now, I would I would counter by saying at least what I took away from Brent's radio show on Monday night, they were going to go for it on that fourth down play. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And I heard some people saying, oh, they false started on purpose. They were trying to back it. No, that doesn't make any sense. It was it was the essence of no man's land, yeah. Plank, because I was standing there with a couple folks on the sideline and wondering in the moment, what are they going to do here? What can you do here? Because <laughs> it's too long and your kicker's too unreliable to confidently attempt a field goal. It would have been a 53-yard kick. Fourth and seven, like that's pretty decent yardage to move the chains. You're not super comfortable in your odds from that distance, I don't think. But then again, how do you justify punting that deep into opposing territory after you just went backwards? Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. So they're going to go for it. But really, purposefully, that would be a new one for me. Yeah, he he started early on purpose. Okay. Uh, and then Wolf and the – I know we got a break. We'll, we'll get to Wolf's when we come back. I'm going to try to stay on the clock as best as possible today because we have a full hour of Brenton Venables coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner fans. Join the movement. The Ref Army is growing. Don't miss a second of the Sooner coverage you want with the KREF app, the number one source for Sooner fans. So let me follow up on Wolf's text here. Wolf in the 405 writes – Try to fit in as many before the top. Parker Thune is in for Josh. It's the Plank Show on the ref. Wolf writes, the stats are skewed because of the strength of schedule. Stats were racked up against Arkansas State, Tulsa, etc. Does anyone forget the bad play calling against Kansas last year at the end of the first half or how we wouldn't run the clock against OSU in the second half? It hasn't changed. Yeah, people are deep in their bag of Well, history. and we had a first-time texter, Sooner Rod, texting to say, is it odd that Levy has dropped off since getting in trouble for Art Bryles being Ooh, on the dun, field? Dun, dun. Uh, listen, I, thanks, Sooner at, Rod. At obvious risk of obfuscating a convenient narrative with facts, math. Jeff Levy is the same guy that orchestrated a five-play, 75-yard drive to win you the biggest game of the season three weeks ago. So, again, has it been all good? No, it hasn't been all good, but has it been all bad? Absolutely not. Let's please not sit here and act like Jeff Lebby is some sort of problematic entity at offensive coordinator that gives you continuous issues based on his inconsistency. Has it reared its head at times? Sure. Yeah. Again, nobody is disputing that. It's not as if 
the play calling on that penultimate drive against Kansas was the first inkling we'd ever gotten of any sort of wrinkle, unenviable wrinkle in <laughs> Jeff Levy's way of going about things. There have been times in the past where it has been fair to question his approach and question his play calling. That is true. But again, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Jeff Levy, on the whole, is still very good at his job. There's a reason he had head coaching interviews last offseason. And that'll happen this year. There's a reason Alabama came after him to be their next offensive coordinator last year. There's a reason he will have all those same interviews this coming offseason as well. It's because he is respected and he is highly regarded as an offensive mastermind. He's going to get job offers. It's just that's the reality of it. He's going to have people coming after. He did He did last year, and he will this year. And who knows, maybe this year it's even a head coach's job. Uh, and then there is this from the 405, just so we can put an end to this, at least for now. <laughs> for now. Please don't make excuse for Jeff Lebby. That was the most repulsive offense Game uh, often see game plan. <laughs> I, someone had the either the voice text or offensive was corrected to off and see if. What an interesting correction. Anyway, I'll continue. That was the most repulsive offensive game plan I have ever seen. Two passes for further than 10 yards during the entire game, except that very and totally unacceptable uh, against Kansas. Totally. Very unacceptable, totally unacceptable. Have you um, have you all happened to watch like Iowa? Now yeah, that's that's I I didn't want to go there, but since you kind of went there, I will that's go there. A repulsive. Only only at a place like Oklahoma do you score thirty three points in a loss, your first loss of the season, fall to seven and one, and people want to fire the offense. Repulsive! What a word, my man. Repulsive. Ah. Uh. I want an, I want today to be a thesaurus day. I want everyone to come up with the most random way to describe how outraged they are, and then we wipe it and we move on. All right, we're going to hear from Brent Venables when we come back. Parker and I will continue to peruse through the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It's a glorious day. Josh McDaniels is out in Vegas. I Wait, he's out? They fired him? They fired him and the general manager last night. No way. Mark Davis did it just after midnight. Ah, classic. <laughs> uh, it's the Blank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans. Parker Thune in for Josh Helmer. Hour one brought to you by Van Hoos Fence. Because Bob Stoops said so. Van Hoos Fence, 405-735-1167. Sound off any time of day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439.